You're fresh. Your breath, your, your words, your voice invigorate us. Strengthen us. Prepare us. We're excited about you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, y'all got babies farm, farmed out. Okay, well, we're part four on the home stretch. Um, it's kind of interesting uh, subject. Um, we talked about, what we're going to talk about is the intercessions of heaven and something that God has been revealing to me and and show me the depths of it in a new way let's think about this morning because what we were talking about this morning how we can how we can draw near into the to the throne of grace into the heavenlies and and just sort of digressing a little bit and just sort of it's important for us to understand how we're made and and uh and how this plays into the intercessions of heaven um is how I understand we're made, you know, like in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 where it talks about that may the God of peace sanctify you entirely, body and flesh, soul and spirit. And how we understand the flesh, the flesh is that which would connect to the world. Jesus came into the world, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have a spirit and the spirit is a communication link into the spiritual realm. You know, those who come to God must come to him in spirit and truth. When we're born again, our spirit, I see what Romans, um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he who joins himself to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So we get on, we, we come online. And so this is the access, how we come to God in the spirit. And this is how we communicate with the world. And the mind or the soul literally is what I call the chooser. And it, it literally, the conscious mind is a Greek word that gets, there's about three Greek words on it, nous, noia, dianoia, phrenema, and they all have to do with this, this thing of this setting the source of information into the heart, like either flesh or spirit, truth or lies, um, Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated, not on the earth. And so your mind just determines the source of information that comes into your being, either through the flesh or through the spirit. And like to, this morning, what we were trying to, we were doing, literally what we're doing, and I didn't go into details of this, but we were setting our minds on things above. You know, get it going into the courtroom of, I mean, into the uh, courtroom into the secret place is not a thing where like a yoga or something like this where you just you just empty your mind. But literally what we were doing was we were setting our minds in, on things above. We were setting our minds, therefore our hearts, to the Lord. And just coming to him and just deep, crying out to deep. And that's what we were doing. Now what if though you're in circumstances and situations 
that where it is very hard to focus your mind. Um, like you're dealing with uh, worries. The world just gets so heavy and, and uh, our circumstances are happening like you know, Robbie this last week where he had to deal with, he had to kick five men out of the program in one day. You know, because he had to confront some issues and, you know, or something like that. Or if you may not have a hand up, raise your hand. Mitch will get, get to you up here. Kay, Mitch. Mitch, Kay needs one. Uh, you know, just hard to focus your mind. Your heart's just at a, a place of, where you just so feel so far from God. And what uh, the Lord has been showing me, uh, I'm going to just use this phrase, heaven is not passive in that place that we're going, okay, you get it right and come on to me. No, heaven is, is uh, making a lot of effort to enable us to come into the Spirit. And I just went ahead and just cut and pasted the passage of scriptures that we're going to look at in relationship, and then there's a whole bunch more of this. What I found out is that, you know, in heaven, you know, what we did, Drew, this morning, like you have God, and we have him in the courtroom of heaven, where we're here, where we can be in this place right here. And, uh, and you got all the throngs of evangelic coast, and, uh, and so we're here in this place. The enemy is accusing us before our God in the spirit. This is like how Job was. I mean, he's in this place of, you know, where he's in the spirit. He's there. And what happens, the crazy thing about this, what happens in the courtroom of heaven determines what happens on the earth. That's why you'll notice in Ephesians 6.12 where it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, hear what it says, against rulers, Arche is the Greek word. Authorities, ex exousia. And then it goes, that's what they do. There's rulers and authorities. And then where they operate, it says this, against the world forces of this darkness, okay? On the earth, you've got demonic entities of the world forces that are functioning. And then it says this, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. And the interesting thing is, that Greek word for spiritual wickedness is singular. And it's literally, I think it's referring to uh, Satan, who is accusing us before God. And so this spiritual war we're dealing with is many times begins in heaven, in the courtroom of heaven. And what kind of judicial decrees are established in the courtroom of heaven are released onto the earth. And that's what happened with the book of Job. Satan accuses, was accusing Job before God, and I'm not going to go into the details of this of what was going on, but literally my conviction is there were legal rights there in relationship to, to, for Job, for Satan to be released into effects into his life. And so therefore you saw effects occurring here on the earth. And then it, you saw this cycle coming around. And that's what happens with us. Like uh, be angry, sin not, don't let the sun go down in your anger. So Satan tempts us here to get angry we give way in the anger, and we know anger according to like Matthew chapter uh, six, no six, five, five, twenty, twenty-one. You know, um, angry, sin not. Let's. No, I'm sorry, I'm quoting the wrong one. Matthew five twenty-one, where um, you heard the ancients say, "You should not commit murder." 
Well, he who angers his brother is guilty before the court. What court? What court on earth is going to convict you of murder for anger? Well, there's no court on the earth that has that authority in that sphere. That's in the courtroom of heaven. And so what you're dealing with is, so you entertain anger here, and, it, and it gets, Satan accuses us, and literally, according to Ephesians 4.27, gives Satan the legal right, a place. And so all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're being tempted and pushed in the area of the anger that Satan has legal right to push you in. And so here you go. But so in these points in time, Jesus, God's making judicial decrees that are just and right. The foundations of his throne are just. Uh, justice and righteousness, loving kindness and truth go before him. But here, Satan's accusing us. But here's the cool thing, and then you notice your notes here. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. So Jesus intercedes for us. And in fact, let me just go ahead and read these past scriptures. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God. You hear that? Draw near to God. That's what we were all about this morning. Draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession. That is so cool to me. He always lives to make intercession for us. Now, now I, I come out of a business background, so... And my first thought is, okay, there's something happening. If there's something happening, I want to see the effect. If there's no effect, no profit in it, what? Get rid of it. And all of a sudden, the Word of God's telling me Jesus is ever living to make intercession. Okay, Lord, what's the profit? And that's when I start asking the Lord. Because everything with God is, is like this thing with God where we participate with him. It's not passive tense. It's always what I call middle voice with God. He's doing a work. We participate with him. He's offering salvation. It's his will, all men to be saved. We receive that salvation. He gave us authority over our lives. Jesus is ever, live, ever living to make intercession. How do I participate with that? And, and as it goes on, let me just read these. Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands a mere copy of true one, but into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. Now here's one that's really cool in 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you that if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So we've sinned. Satan's accusing us. But I've got one, an advocate, Greek word there, parakletos, one called alongside. And real quick, let me just share this with you about the, the positioning of the intercession of Jesus. The Levitically priestly line of, 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 uh, of intercession was is that where you had God and you had somebody like Robbie who needs help, you know? So Robbie's going to get picked on Burby's not here right now, so. Where's Burby when we need him? <laughs> what? So anyway, and so here, and here, here Robbie is, and Robbie needs to come to God, but the Levitical priestly line would be this way, where you have a priest that goes to God on behalf of Robbie. And that's how the Levitical priest said. No, the, the common man could not go to God, so the priest go to God for him. But we know that Jesus is not in the order 
of, of uh, Lev Levitical priestly line. We know he was in the order of Melchizedek, which is a totally different covenant. And so what Jesus does is, the, the order of Melchizedek is, which is only one, is that where you've got God and where you've got Robbie, he lost weight there. So, so. <laughs> then you got Jesus, who is an advocate. Like it says in 1 John 2 1. Jesus is standing alongside Robbie before God. You can do it, Robbie. You go to God. You go to God. I'm with you. I'm, on, I'm alongside you, holding you up. You declare it in the heavens. I give you my authority and agree with you. You declare it. You go to God the Father. He loves you. I stand with you. Different order. So when it says Jesus ever lives to make intercession, so he's standing alongside Robbie, but what is he doing? Now, y'all, I've had people tell me in times, and Paul has known this, and watched this happen in times past, where people go, now, Rick, we're with you. We're behind you. And then all of a sudden you find out, way behind you. I mean, wait, you need to go, where you be? You know, say, Jesus, okay, Jesus is with me. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, well, Jesus, you with me? Okay. That's cool. What you doing? What are you doing? And if you'll notice this passage of Scripture in Hebrews 3.1, very significant passage. It says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, Consider Jesus, the apostle, and notice this, this phrase, and the high priest of our confession. Jesus serves in this priestly role, this place of intercession, in relationship to the things we confess. Now let us sink in. In relationship to the things we confess. That's why you see the significance of confession. Like in, uh, uh, is it in Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus says, he says, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. You'll give account for every idle word on the day of judgment. Every idle word. It doesn't mean like, okay, like all of a sudden on the day of judgment, all of Robbie's words is going to be picked apart. Oh, oh, that was an idle word. That was an idle word. No, that's not what that means. When you look in the whole context, literally what Robbie's life, how you're going to see, the determine the course of Robbie's life, you're going to see it in relationship to the words he spoke. Just think about the verse. It says, you, know, you give account for every idle word on the day of judgment. Idle, idle. It doesn't mean bad words. It means idle. So like, for example, his destiny is to receive eternal life. Well, what's the main way he receives eternal life? If you, Romans 10, 9, if you what? Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Well, what if he's idle in relationship to the confession of Jesus is Lord? What will he do? Condemn himself. And so the reality is, and that's just the beginning of salvation. That's why you'll see in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, the word confession there is a verbal form that means one time. So you confess one time Jesus is Lord. You know, we talked about the night before last, you know, you're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Interesting thing in Romans 10.10. 10. With the heart one believes resulting in righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Greek word for confession means continuous action. 
This don't mean that you've got to keep saying, confessing Jesus to make sure you've got eternal life. But as you all know in here, salvation of God is so much more than heaven and hell. You know, healing's confession. Victory over sin is, I mean, I'm sorry, healing is a salvation. Uh, you know, victory over sin is a form of salvation. You know, deliverance for salvation. So the full salvation of God is released in your life and my life through the power of confession. Now, it's not just saying positive words. What happens in the heavens is that uh, as you and I confess the truth of God, literally what happens is Jesus comes in agreement with it, with what we speak. Now, Jesus has all authority. And so all of a sudden, what, what we speak that are, is truth of God he comes in agreement with that and serves as high priest in relationship to the things we confess. And literally, I, what I've seen is the judicial right of God has declared that into our lives and it's released into our lives. But there's a flip side to this. With every, every blessing of the Lord, when, you know, the whole thing is when you flip it and get the other side, that's where uh, death comes in. He stands here and does what? Accuses us. Well, what if, now, I'm just being real with this, Robbie. When you start to entertain thoughts or words, you're a failure. What, what kind of, what do you start to feel? Uh, afraid, angry. Um, oh, yeah. I suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can think of every one of us. And you've got to realize this, thoughts and words both have an effect in the spiritual realm and actions. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and you'll see that. So be careful not to bring up a, word, a matter in word or thought in the presence of a messenger of God. So Robbie don't have to say the words, he's a failure. If he starts entertaining the thoughts, he's a failure. His, his butt is going to just get low. He'll feel the depression. But then when Robbie does, <laughs> starts going, devil, get up off of me. That's my favorite Robbie's. But when he starts declaring God's truth into his life, I guarantee you this, he'll start to feel in the spiritual realm, oh, yeah. I remember one time where in our, Paul and I's life where I made some really stupid mistakes in business and, and uh, lost a lot of money. And we're going to have to sell our house. And, uh, I mean, I'm getting up in the morning, hell, and I'm feeling depressed because first thing's on me, you're a failure. You're a failure. And so what I, the only way I could survive was, was with the passage scripture that I just constantly held to was 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, where it just says, he always leads me in triumph and spreads through me the sweet aroma of Christ in every place. I just confessed that over and over and by the time, because when I get out of bed and I start to go to the shower, get, go to the shower between the bed and the shower, I mean, I felt like I was just sucking the ground. But then I kept speaking, speaking the truth. And, and, uh, and then by the time I get through the shower, I'm going, okay, all right, let's go, let's go. Paul and I, many times, um, so many times, so a lot we do a lot of times. She would go down the road, and she said, "All right, it's just it's just confess word." And so she said, "Lead me." And so I start confessing. I'll say 
say a phrase, she'll say a phrase. I'll say a phrase, she'll say a phrase. And you can, you can feel the atmosphere in the car switch. And, uh, or just times, you know, that I'll just, every morning I try to pray over in the morning. I try to pray over at night. And in the morning I'm trying to speak at least something into her or, or over the kids or something into our lives, speaking the word of God over us. And what I'm trying to do is establish in the spiritual realm this agreement with Jesus and releases the intercession of the word of, God, of Jesus in relationship to the word of God. And so this is the intercession of heaven. So, you know, I mean, we could just start right now and just start going, okay, let's just make some decisions. Let's start confessing the truth of God, you know. And I guarantee you we could just confess and you can start to feel the atmosphere of the room. Just pick up and change. But I encourage you uh, to do the same thing. And I, I want to say this, y'all. It's not the content. No, no, not content. It's not the quantity of the things you confess. It's the, it's the quality. From the heart, you're speaking the word of God into your life. And in that place, Jesus is able to intercede for us. Let me just say something. He will not agree with you about lies. Now, he will. Satan. And you remember what the word says, what Jesus says in Matthew 18. Any two agree concerning anything, it shall be done by my Father who is in heaven. Well, you got a choice. You agree here or agree here. Now, we look at this from this angle and we go, well, that's just, that's just, uh, you know, that's just common sense. Why would you not? Well, and I'm not going to ask the question, and I don't want any of you to respond, but how many of us in this room are aggressively confessing the truth of God into our lives? And so I just really ask you to think about the Matthew 10 passage that where the course of our life will be determined by the words that we speak. Power, death, and life in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. James chapter, is it James chapter 3 where it talks about the tongue sets on fire the very course of nature. You know, bits and bridle, it talks about a horse having bit and bridle, and it talks about how the tongue controls us. But well here, we can speak the truth of God, and it will set the direction and course of our lives. So, confession, the, the intercession of heaven in relation, in the courtroom of heaven, the confessions of truth into our lives. Now, let's, let's say something, go somewhere else to go to the next session, next section. When I was, uh, recently I was, you know how you read a passage of scripture and past scripture you've read for, for years and years and years and all of a sudden a phrase sticks out. That's where, you know, you're, you know, you've been learning line upon line and precept upon precept, and it's all of a sudden God's going like, okay, now you can handle this level. And so, and notice this in, in 826, in the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. Okay, so the first scenario is where I'm having a hard time focusing, situation's tough, you know, where accusations, the enemy, or in the spiritual realm, you know, where, where I'm like the dealer in the business, I failed, I, quote, I think I'm failed, um, 
I'm just feeling depressed. It's bad circumstances. I start confessing truth. Okay? But how about situations and circumstances where it's hard to focus my mind because in the physical realm, y'all, it is not cool. Just like we're talking about, like, all of a sudden my heart goes into AFib. You know, and the weird thing about AFib, it's right in front of your face. I mean, like, literally. <laughs> it's right here. But I mean, your heart's good. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and it goes from like up to about 180, 190 beats a minute, you know, not to mention it's out of sync. And so it's right here. And your mind, you're trying to focus your mind, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. And, and uh, or, you know, one of, the, one of the kids gets sick or something like that where just everything slams you so hard. And you're weak. You're weak. And notice what it says here. It says, in the same way the Spirit helps our weaknesses. Now notice this next phrase. It says, for we do not know how to pray as we should. What? I mean, you know, Lord, there's a, there's a way I need to pray? I mean, you know, sometimes, this is the reality, is y'all, we think we can just pray any old way and it has an effect. I know that. I've seen enough in the Word of God. We're like in, like in Isaiah 48, where... There's it, 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 it a, a rebuke, and it says, those who invoke the name of the Lord, not in righteousness or truth. I know that there's different types of prayer. There's times strengthening. There's times of, of inquiring of the Lord. There's, there's prayers of, of declaring the word like the Lord's prayer. There's prayers of intercession. There's prayers of petition. And so, I mean, there's different types of praying. And what, what the word of God's telling us, there are times that we do not know how to pray as we should. To have an effect both here and in the heavenlies. But the cool thing is, we're not alone. It's that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Intercedes for us. And notice what it says. He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He searches the hearts, our hearts, Literally, what's happening is the Spirit of God searching our hearts. Don't pay attention to the capitalizations. Because remember, capitalizations are, are always interpretation. I remember when we were going through this passage of Scripture in seminary, and the professor's going, just, y'all, oh, what's capital? What's not? Holy Spirit, our spirit. Which one? Because, you know, you, you can't tell just by reading it in the Greek. And uh, when we're reading it here in English in the American Standard, what you're doing is taking the interpretation of, of the translators. But he, the Holy Spirit, searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit. Right here, when he was talking about the, the heart program Spirit. Because what he does, he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's verse 27. What's verse 28 say? 828. God calls us what? For good. You know what the Holy Spirit's doing? He's seeing, he's seeing, he's seeing the, the things that are, that are in Robbie's heart that are not in line with the will of God. Satan will accuse. Satan will accuse Robbie in relationship to those things. But you know what the Spirit of God's doing? He's interceding in Robbie, in Robbie, with groanings too deep with words. You read in the first part, the middle part of the, the verses before this, where it talks about um, 
even we with ourselves, with the first fruits of the Spirit. It talks about, this, you know, within us, there's this place of a, a birthing in us, the sons of God. And so in Robbie's this, this yearning to, to become a son, to, to lay aside orphan mentality, slave mentality, child mentality, the birthing of a son. And what the Holy Spirit is in Robbie, and he is interceding to bring that out. He's groaning with too deep for words. Now, the interesting thing, the question we've got to ask, how do I participate with this? How do I participate with this? The Holy Spirit groans within us. Groaning's too deep for words. What builds me up from the inside out? What? Praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues. And that's what you'll notice in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but God. For no one understands. But, notice it's his is italicized, so it tells you it's not in the, in the, in the Greek. But in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. What did it say there in Romans 8, 27? 8.26. Groaning's too deep for words. Here, when you're praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, you are speaking not to men, but to God. In your spirit, you're speaking mysteries. Mysteries of God. The things of God that are trying to draw and birth in you and I. And it goes on to say, in, you know, like in 14.14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. My mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I'll pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the mind also. There's two ways to pray. I can pray. I can say, oh, Lord Jesus, you know, I just ask blessings over Robbie in Jesus' name. Or, you know, this ain't going to profit him, but, you know, shondarek oras. You know, start praying with the Spirit. Well, I mean, that ain't going to help him. That helps me because it's birthing in me. Now, it'll help him how I'm praying with him and standing with him that there's some guy being birthed up, but... But it ain't going to help them that much now, you know, unless there's God speaking a word to him and then there'll be interpretation into it, you know. And that's a whole other rabbit we could get into about that. I love this Jude 20 passage. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6.18. With all prayer and petition at all times, in the Spirit, with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petitions for the saints. So, the reality is, y'all, that how you and I participate with the Spirit of God in us is to give way into it with praying in the Spirit. And you know, isn't the interesting thing about this is when the Lord started waking me up because I have to confess, you know, um, I could get, it's easy to get away from praying in the Spirit. It's just way easy to do it. I mean, you know, when we first get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, back in the, back in the day when it was just like fresh things going, oh, yeah, I prayed this, oh, yeah, oh, you know, you know, oh, it's good, this is good, this is good, you know, and you, you get in it and you're like, oh, yeah. But, you know, just like anything with God, anything that's good, you know, if, you, if it becomes common to you, you lose it. You know, I can easily, my relationship with Paula can be common. You know, any relationship with God become common. Whatever. 
with us can become common thing for us. God forbid that the things of the Spirit become common with us. You know, I was, uh, when the Lord started showing me this, the Lord reminded me of Emil Tarsha over in Damascus. And uh, <laughs> you get talking to Emil. What's God showing you? Oh, tongues. Yeah, tongues. You just talk to, talk to Emil. He's just all about tongues. That's just all tongues. Yeah, that's all he does. He talks about, you know, let's talk about tongues. Yeah, let's talk about tongues. I don't go, come in, Mill. There's more to life than tongues, you know? And the reality is, this is the crazy thing about this. A mill does not, he doesn't know a whole lot in the spirit. But I'll say this to you. There is not anybody more powerful in the spirit than a mill. In that church in Damascus, Syria, there's a, there's a swath of protection. You can look, a friend was telling me, about the UN map of, of Syria around Damascus. And there's a swath where you see that the destruction of, of ISIS and the, and the uh, one of the other radical Muslim groups around, around Damascus. But right, right in Germana, where uh, Emil and, and Ron and them, it's not that much destruction. Why is that? At a little church, those people getting together every morning and praying, and I guarantee you this, praying in the Spirit. They don't pray like us Americans. In fact, we're probably the only people in the world that pray like we pray. You know how we pray courtesy prayers? Okay, let's pray. And one of us prays, yes. And so Heather prays. Oh, yeah, yeah Heather, we agree. You know, and then maybe Kathy will pray. You go to the Middle East. Let's pray. The whole room. Ah, Or whatever in the spirit are they praying to mind? Everybody's praying. And then, oh, you hear something, you know, one of the leaders, yes, yeah, says something. Yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. But then finally, you're just going to God in the heavens. I mean, it's really, that's how they pray. I mean, go to, go to Koreans, watch Koreans pray. Get in a prayer room with them. Go to Africans, watch Africans pray. I mean, you know, we're the only ones that do courtesy prayers. I don't know. It is. They're nice and that's one, one day Pastor Susco just makes this comment and it kind of pushed my button. Just, yeah. But, you know, my pride was just kind of hurt a little bit. Y'all don't know how to pray. What? And one thing, he, he made this statement here to us when we were here one of the first times he came. He said, for us, it's a matter, it's a matter of survival, life and death. It's life and death, all the time, every day. So we have to know how to pray with everything that's in us. We don't have time to let one person pray at a time. We'll just put it all up there. Because if you're standing in heaven, I mean, really, think about it. You're in heaven in the throne room of heaven. What does it sound like when the prayers of earth come up? Are you hearing one at a time? <laughs> oh, it's like reverberating. In the heavens. Echoing. I remember one time in seminary. We had a radical uh, seminary professor who was worship professor. He was kind of radical. And everybody knew it. Dr. Lee Flagg. And he did the chapel one, one, uh, one morning. And that was one time I went. I usually went down to other places. Me and some other guys. We got in talked about what Jesus was doing. But this one Sunday, this one, not Sunday, but one morning in chapel, he gets, he says, I want y'all to hear what it sounds like in heaven. 
in the vaults of heaven when praying. And he says, okay, when, when I tell you all to start, I want every one of you in the room to start to pray out loud to God with everything that's in you. And then, so he says, when I tell you all to start, start. Now don't back off. Don't be passive. And so all of a sudden, we start to pray. And, I'll, and, you, and, and you just stop. And it was one of those big fancy uh, auditoriums, you know, granite walls and that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, you could, if you'd stop saying something and just listen, it was beautiful. The sound of petitions echoing in the room. And I'm going, God, this is so cool. And that's when Dr. Leaf had stopped. Once he stopped, he said, all right, now, did y'all hear what the sound? That's what it sounds like in heaven. Now, anyway, I don't know how it got off there, but, but, uh, but to pray in the Spirit. Now, there's a couple things I just want to address about this. Um, first question, you say, well, if somebody's not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, does that mean, you know, that they're not agreeing with the Holy Spirit? You know, I just know this, that the Word of God is clear when you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in a tongue, you pray in the Spirit. And that's what I know. I don't like to do isogesis. I don't like to read into the Word of God. So I just want to just take it what it is. And so it's, I know that when we pray in tongues, we do pray in the Spirit. One of the other things that I've, I've noticed about us, that uh, there's shame attached to tongues. Like I'll be in a time, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, we'll be downstairs and, you know, Sunday morning we're praying and I'll, I'll make a statement. It says, all right, everybody pray in the spirit. And you'll hear, I'm going, what's going on? Where's the, where's the confidence? And I, I just really believe there's one side of it. We're ashamed of the gift within us. But there's another way to, to think about it. Not in a, I don't mean that a condemning way. It's, you know, the, the thing that I found to be true in relationship to tongues is that um, literally you're, you're, it's going this way out of the depths of you. You remember I said your heart programs your spirit how to function? And, and, uh, and so literally what will happen, you'll pray out this way, out of the depths. And what, what I believe God's showing me is, I mean, like, I'll give you an example of this. One time, there's some friends of ours, Paul and I, friends of ours that are in Florida, Eddie and Linda. I mean, we've known, Paul and I have known them for years. They're really precious friends to us. And one night, the, the wife was really struggling with some stuff, and and so, this has been many years ago when we were at East Stone pastoring. And, uh, and I asked, uh, I said, Eddie and Linda were, were there on the phone. And I said, and I recognized what was going on in Linda. There's stuff in her that needed to just come out in the depths of her. And I said, Linda, I just want you to just, right now, just pray in, pray in the Spirit. Just pray in tongues right now. And all of a sudden, she starts praying in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, I go, uh-oh, I'm someplace I don't need to be. 
because literally what was going on was I could feel literally the depths of her opening up. And I didn't need to be there. It was like, this is a place for her, God, and her husband. You know, and that's why I like sometimes, we haven't done it in a while, but I know for sometimes in the past, Paula just said, you know, she said to me, you know, when are we going to get back to this, babe? Is that, you know, she said, just hold me and just pray in the spirit. And I, you know, it's just, it's me and her. Now, she's not, can't say the amen, but it's coming out of me. It's, it's just like me opening myself up or me undressing myself in the, in the spirit. And so that's one of the things I'm thinking what's happening is in relationship to this area of shame is that why some of us are so passive when it comes to praying in the spirit. There's a place that we're ashamed of that which is down in us. And where God's going deep crying out to deep, deep crying out to deep, deep crying out to deep. And, uh, and so... Maybe you want to add anything to this, Mitch? And I think so many times, and for me, it's, you know, I'm always wanting to be very <laughs> aligned myself with the word, the word of God and the order of God. And I think many times when we read, you know, when you, when you have a tongue, you need an interpretation. So then it's like, well, then when you're in that corporate setting, when we're down in the prayer room, most all of us speak in tongues. I mean, you're, you're usually asking everybody because you know that everybody speaks in tongues. But then when you come to a very, very corporate gathering, then sometimes I think I'm always like, gosh, I don't want to say, the, I don't want to speak in tongues too loud because I don't want other people to get, you know, you know offended without that tongue. So I, I don't, maybe you can address some of that. But, I, you know, I think sometimes... But I do hear you. I think even in those settings, you know, are we free to just really release the, the spirit of God within us in relationship to the to the tongues? And and there was one, you know, I'll just encourage you from you know my perspective too. You know, if maybe maybe you're in this place where I was at, you know, very early days of Eagles Nest. I was, um, I mean, remember I came out of a tr very traditional background, so of course. I fell in love with the Word, but I really wasn't in tune with all the Holy Spirit stuff that Rick and Doug and all these guys really were trying to go for it. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know what y'all are doing, but I don't know. But, and we were always kind of the people in the back catching all the, we were catching all the people that were got offended or, or were walking out the door because, you know, what's all, what's all the speaking in tongues and what's all the, you know. What were they praying and everybody's falling out for, you know? And so we were, we were always those people going, no, you really should give it a try. It's really great. It really is good. It really is biblical. There is a lot. <laughs> just just hold on. And, you know, but we would be those people. And I, I really got to a place where I'm, I said this statement, and the Lord said something very quickly back. But I really said this in my spirit. I said, and this was before I spoke in tongues, and, and I was just growing in my relationship with the Lord in this area, but... You know, I said, Lord, I don't ever want the gift of tongues. I, I just see the abuse. I see the hurt. I see the, you know, the pastoral person in me. Just, I see all the frustrations that sometimes it brings. And, and so I made that statement. And, I mean, just as immediately as he, I spoke that out, he spoke back into me. He's like, Mitch, don't, don't ever reject a good gift 
that I've given the body of Christ. And so I was like, ooh, okay. All right, so for, Lord, forgive me. And then, Lord, forgive me for, for you know, judging into those situations. And, and yeah, are, is there abuse with tongues? Absolutely. But is there probably abuse on my side where I wasn't using it? You know, where I wasn't open to hear what the Spirit of God was saying. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, you know, really asking the Lord, how do we come to the real pure uh, use of, you know, of, of tongues? Because it is a, it's a corporate tongues and interpretation thing, but then it's also a private, you know, and, and how to mix those is something maybe to address pastorally. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was I was just I've made every th- statement that I wanted to. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm asking that. I don't. You know, as far as from what I, my perspective, we've always kind of said, you know, if you're going to be blaring out in tongues, you should really have an interpretation in a big corporate setting. So that would be my question. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm gonna sit down. <laughs> It does say in First Corinthians 14, you know, like he said in a corporate setting, you know, to pray out, all of us to pray out, or like tomorrow morning, would, there would, it would cause confusion with people among us. They would think we were crazy. I guarantee it would. And, you know. Not that they'd be wrong. <laughs> not that would be wrong. <laughs> we give them evidence that it's true. <laughs> So what do you want? I mean, <laughs> but uh, but you know, right now, if it's okay, I don't really feel like I need that. When I'm, what I'm talking about is prayer. Now, on a Sunday morning, yeah, there's a place that it. We're talking about order and procedure on corporate worship and the presence of God among us. That if there's a tongues, there to be an interpretation. If there is no interpretation, the word is clear. Just speaking to yourself and to God. And so, so, like it says in 1 Corinthians 14, you know, come here, don't, don't let me come and get you. And so, you know, I mean, I, there's a lot of the service. I'm sitting there in the front row. I'm praying in tongues because, but I'm speaking to myself and I'm not blurting it out. Oh, um, I had asked Jared once during a prophecy meeting a uh, question, and I think he gave me the coolest answer I've ever heard. I'm like, how do you grow in the gift of tongues because you get this one moment, this one time, and one service where Tammy speaks something and you're like, all right, who has this interpretation? And I'm like, how do you grow in that? <clears throat> and Jared says, well, I guess you're just going to have to sit together with some people and pray in tongues and hear what God's saying. It's like the coolest thing ever where it's like you're going to have to practice praying in tongues and listening and hearing what is this happening Sometime other than game time. Game time. That is a cool idea. One time, uh, I feel led really to address this about because there's some of you in this room, maybe you've been prayed over in relationship to tongues and you don't speak in tongues. I want to answer this because it's very important. Go back to the foundation that where if you, that your, your heart contains the programming of how your spirit functions. If there are strongholds in your heart regarding praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. It will shut your spirit down in the area of tongues. First time I ever saw it was a lady named 
Pat Parsons, precious woman of God, she, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I knew she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I knew she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But she couldn't pray in tongues. I prayed about it, and the Lord said, told me, she says, she's got it. But she couldn't pray in tongues. So we started praying over her, and the Lord showed us that when she was a little girl, she was raised, she was English, and she was raised in the Anglican church, and when she was in the Anglican church, she was so formal and so strict that they, she felt if she even moved in the service that it was, she could be struck down. She was afraid to cough even. So there was, really, there was a fear in her about any kind of expression, physical expression. Very precious woman of God. We dealt with the, the stronghold and dealt with the things that were going on with her. And I'm serious. I, you know, whereas before, you know, she couldn't pray in tongues. And so literally, what I, all I did was after she dealt with the stronghold, I just says, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that our path spirit be released in Jesus' name. Instantly, she just, just prayed in tongues, came out. I remember Tammy. Tammy couldn't. She got baptized in the Holy Spirit. She can't pray in, pray in tongues. <laughs> she, uh, I never forget it. We was in our house in Radford, and so, uh, so she told me she didn't have, uh, she couldn't pray in tongues. So I said, "Let's come on, let's go down to the basement and sit at our house." And so, uh, so private. So you know, we were down there, and I can't remember who else was with us. Somebody else was with us. It might have been Allison. Were you with us? But anyway, we're down there, and Tammy, we're starting to pray, and also the Lord showed us that when Tammy was a little girl, I don't know, some girl. Some girl. <laughs> you were a girl. <laughs> she went to the local Methodist church, and some lady prayed in tongues over her, and it scared the snot out of her. Really did. Fear in her heart in relationship to that. So, so we prayed over, dealt with that stronghold, and I said, now, I want you to go back there in Mike's bedroom, back in the cave that was down in the basement down there. And, uh, and I said, all right, I just go back there and pray in tongues. And so she goes back and prays in tongues, goes back, and she comes out, and she goes, I said, well, what, what happened? Tammy got all smug-like, you know, in a good way, and she said, God said to me that it's mine and his secret code. <laughs> and I said, that is sweet. One time I was a, a girl, same situation like with Tammy. We dealt with the strongholds, and I said, okay, now, and I knew that she needed some help in this, and I didn't go, you know, say it, you know, speak after me, that kind of stuff. I don't like that. But I did do this. I said, okay, now I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to ask the Lord to bring up out of the depths of you phrase in the Spirit. Okay, so I just prayed in Jesus' name. I prayed, Lord, that which is in the Spirit of her, come up into her conscious mind in Jesus' name. Like what's just here, what's coming up, come up into here. I said, okay. And so I prayed it, and she said, okay. I said, you hear something? Yeah. What, what, what was it? And she said this word, and I go, that is an interesting word. And uh, I quit with my Hebrew-Greek key study Bible. I go, I said, this thing, sound, that thing sounds Hebrew. And, uh, and I looked, looked it up, and it was the Hebrew word for said. And I said, well, that's cool. I said, well, let's pray again. This is cool. Let's go again. <laughs> and so, so I said, said, Lord, I prayed the same prayer. And I said, Lord, let it come up in Jesus' name. 
So all of a sudden, I said, what'd you get? And she said another Hebrew word. And the interesting thing was, I had to look it up. And it was a very obscure Hebrew word for God. God said. And the interesting thing to me, y'all, in Hebrew, in English, it goes, if you get grammatical structure, it's subject, verb. Rick said. In Hebrew, it's opposite. You always write the verb first. You write backwards. It's verb first, then the noun. So God, she's grammatically speaking Hebrew. And so, literally, what happens, and it says, Brie, to be brought up out of the depths of her. They brought faith. Tammy, one time, started telling Tammy's stories. She's in Ukraine. After, this is after she got freed in spirit. And Tammy's in, in the Ukraine, and she's in the European prayer meeting, and so there everybody's just praying. So Tammy just decides you're going to pray in the spirit, right? So she was praying in tongues. And the lady next to her goes, yeah, Charlie says, do you know you're speaking perfect Ukrainian? But she's praying blessings to the Lord, wasn't it? In Ukraine. I know Tammy. She don't know, <laughs> she don't know no U Ukraine. <laughs> you know, I could go on and on and on and tell you stories in relationship to the validity of the gift of the spirit of tongues. And so I just share that with you as, as we go on today that uh, I, I just want to read 1 Corinthians 14, 5. It says, now I wish you all spoke in tongues. That's how it says in English. But in the Greek, it's the Greek word fellow. It's not on, you don't have a sheet on this. You're on your sheet. But it says, literally in the Greek, it says, I will that you speak in tongues. In other words, it is God's will. For you and I to be able to pray in tongues. If you don't, don't beat yourself up. Just real simple. You know, just ask the Lord, like I said earlier, okay, Lord, what kind of things would hold me back? What kind of things would cause my heart to shut down? And, uh, and, and Tammy and Mitch and them, they'd be glad to pray with you about it and stuff like that, right? Absolutely. Paula and so. But anyway. Can I tell you two, two testimonies? I don't know why I want to do this. I just love bragging on God. Sometimes he starts showing up. One time we were having a conference over in Radford University. It was one of those crazy, wild Holy Ghost conferences. And there was this girl, I don't know, came up about baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was that night Ray Jennings, you know, where it was just crazy anyway. And this and, uh, and she's sitting on the side, and I'm talking to her, and she's just telling me how she does not believe in tongues. She's saved. We knew she was saved. And she's sitting there talking to me. And all of a sudden, she said, you know, I said, I don't, I don't believe tongues exist. And I looked at her, I go, you do now. And I walked away. I was telling Mitch and Leah this the other day. Uh, um, a friend of mine, they were uh, driving down the road with some friends and a bunch of college students. The college ministry is weird anyway. And, uh, and so they're going along, and uh, this one guy in the car, you know, they got talking about gifts of spirit and baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the guy goes, uh, 
well, I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't speak in tongues. And they go, we can take care of that. <laughs> so they, they, started, they laid hands and they started praying for him. And all of a sudden, they, he got what they called shemp tongues. And he just going to <laughs> they, got, they got so messed up, you know. They pulled over the road, and he, they run, he's running around the car. And he's going, y'all, this is awesome. This is awesome. You can do it fast. You can do it slow. <laughs> and I'm going, that is so good. That gets rid of shame, don't it? No shame. Let's do it. We can do it fast. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe that's what we need to do now. Everybody pray in tongues fast, and then we'll do it slow. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. The first service, the first this morning was too intense. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Well, you got all I got. <laughs> oh, back. Question. Where? Oh, yeah. Microphone. Yeah, we do have supposed to have questions, aren't we? I'm sorry. We're here to help you. Um, I just, uh, first off, let me just say this, that I don't really like doing this. I've had a lot of humiliation in my life, and it's, there's a kind of a fear related to that, so I'm just taking a step here. But one of the things I just wanted to say was, in terms of weirdness, you know, you don't have to be weird to pray in tongues. You may be weird, but you don't have to be. And so, just kind of the other side of the coin, you know, you can just be quiet. It's okay. But weirdness is okay, and if you're not weird, it's okay. So. That is awesome. Thank you so much. That, yes, that is so good. I'm the, yeah, I'm on the weird side, and so. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that. Are there any questions or comments like that, you know, that need that need the flip side. I'm not saying everything. What does the scripture mean, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet? Um, that's a really great question. Um, sometimes people say that, you know, I, I don't have any choice whether, whether I'm going to prophesy or, or literally in this interpretation, I'm like, oh, i got to speak in tongues. No. My spirit is subject to me. It's in, when it spoke that passage in 1 Corinthians 14, it's within the context of the prophetic. And so literally, the spirit, my spirit is subject to me. And so I can dictate how my spirit functions. I can dictate right now whether I pray in the spirit or not. And so my, the spirit is subject to me. And that's what I understand that passage to me. It's not a negative. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. It's a, it's a positive thing in that it just tells you, uh, you you have authority and control of your spirit. And at any point in time, you can choose to pray in the spirit. Now, there's sometimes that, like I just spoke about, the girl who was, you know, 
tongues got released in her that where you just get so overwhelmed in the spirit that literally what will happen is, is in the spirit of tongues will just over, I mean, spirit will overflow your total being. And that's what happens. And then it's like, you, you know, they're just praying in the spirit. That's all they can get out of their mouth. You know, I've seen it a number of times where people get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they'll, I mean, that's all they can do is speak in tongues for about five or six hours. You know, they're just praying in the Spirit the whole time. And now those are just far, few and far between in situations. And, but it's, it's cool when it happens. But, but for the most part, my Spirit's subject to me and I choose to pray in the Spirit or not. Either one of y'all, I could all say right now, I could say, all right, all of us, let's just start praying the Spirit. Well, every one of you, your Spirit's subject to you, and you can choose to speak and pray in the Spirit or pray with the mind. Great question. That's 1 Corinthians 14, I want to say 28. Spirit of so it's 32. Sorry. Yes, ma'am. I have a perhaps a wrong interpretation of that, but I had the attitude that like if, if I prophesy, I'm willing to go check with other people to see if that made sense to them. Um, and I usually I frequently if I get something weird, I will do that. And usually they say I had it and I didn't want to bring it. <laughs> but it Certainly confirming to me that I wasn't insane. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good, that's a really good thing. Um, yeah, I, I could, yeah. Any other questions or comments? Paul, is there something I need to, you want to add? You got the baby? I think maybe we were talking some last night and then some today about like when you do feel like you have a word like Um, I just was uh, like that feeling I know of, well, what if I give a word in tongues and no one gives the interpretation and then you're kind of stuck as the, there's that person that gave the word in tongues and they didn't get the interpretation and they should have kept their mouth shut and things like that. I think that those, I mean, I personally just want to say like in this body that I, I mean, when I've given a word in tongues, I've totally felt protected that 
even if a word of interpretation didn't come, that, you know, authority kind of had my back and that would help work that out. I mean, so I just think, is there, yeah, because I think it's not and always mean that the person that's given the word in tongues is wrong. Maybe it's just the fear, like there's fear still in the interpretation. So I just wanted to kind of bring that out because I think that is something that's a real fear. I still fear it every time. So just FYI. Uh, that's not a question. That's a good answer. Anybody else got something there? Mike, come here. You're, you're young. Come here. Um, I would think that the devil would really want to see tongues go by the wayside because they're a sign for the unbeliever. And so I would think um, he would want us real uncomfortable in that area because uh, if, if that's one of the things God did for us to be a sign for unbelievers, then if we, if we try to you know, avoid it or try to be politically correct and just go with the mainline denominations, then then we're really robbing the unbelievers because it is something that God uses to convince them that he's real. So on some Sundays I've come just unglued knowing that I'm supposed to open my mouth and let tongues come out. And then I am fearful of whether or not there'll be an interpretation. And then Tammy gets it before I get brave enough to open. So what happens? Do we just let it come out? Okay. Tammy said is you're going to trust that leadership's going to back you up. We'll wait until we get it. I'm sorry. Rick, you ought to tell them the story. You remember when we went over, it was over in Craig County, and we did the Assembly of God. It was like a little retreat over at that house. You remember the, the leader of that group, even though he was assembly God, he really didn't know much about spiritual gifts. You remember that and the girl that started, and then y'all met in the kitchen because he didn't know what was happening. He was here in one minute. Well, Mike's talking about one time Mike and I went to a small, when AG, assembly God to Chi Alpha was just starting out in Virginia Tech. And there was only probably about 20 people, wouldn't you think, Mike? And so we're, very first night of the, of the retreat, I'm sitting in the very back row. I'd come, gone and I was supposed to be the main speaker. And so I'm sitting on the very back row. There was a girl in front of me. His worship was going on. I think you were helping out with worship somehow. Were you singing? Overheads. Overheads. Yeah. <laughs> Overheads. <laughs> <laughs> you minister of life. So anyway, so anyway, this girl in front of me starts speaking in tongues. And she's speaking in tongues. And she's just, just going in on the spirit and just doing like this. Just going on the spirit and just like these groanings. And uh, I mean, and it's going on and on and on. And, uh, and I go, 
Lorda, okay, what's she saying? And I just heard her say one word, help. And I heard this word, help. And I said, okay. And then a few minutes later, the, 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 the campus minister comes to the back and he says, Rick, uh, can I talk to you a second? So he pulls me aside and we go in the, in the kitchen. And Mike says, and I said, he goes, Rick, what do you uh, think about the girls in front of you? And her, her, her keeps speaking. And, I mean, he just said about the girls sitting in front of you. And I said, bro, this is your show. And he says, he said, no, I just keep here speaking tongues and then say the phrase in English, I can't help myself. And I'm speaking, and I hear speaking tongues, and I say, I can't help. Somebody, I can't help myself. I can't help. I need help. Something like that. I can't remember the exact thing he said. But she said, and I looked at him, and I said, Russ, she has not said a word of English in the last however long. And he's hearing her speaking tongues, and he's saying the phrase, an in-depth, more in-depth version of what I heard, help. And so anyway, so I go, bro, there's something going on here. Because what's coming out, something's coming out from the depths of her. And so interesting thing, I said that the next day, I had the opportunity to, uh, to uh, um, you know, bring, get her alongside, get her alone and with somebody else. And we started praying for her. And what happened was when she was a senior in high school, she got pregnant. Uh, and everybody was pushing her to get an abortion. She refused to get an abortion. So she came to Virginia Tech on an engineering in the engineering, raised the baby, and put herself through school uh, in engineering. You know, and y'all know how mothering is the first year. I mean, where she's not getting much sleep. And she said she would lay in bed at night crying out to God, help, can't help myself, I can't help, I need help. And so what I'm hearing is, what we were hearing her in the spirit, crying out in the spirit was the depths of her. And we were able to minister comfort into her heart in, those er in that area. And the cool thing was, is uh, if I told you her name, you y'all would all recognize, most of y'all would recognize her. She's an awesome woman of God. Awesome woman of God and, and the things that she walked in. But what she was praying, Mike was saying, when she was speaking in tongues, it was coming out of the depths of her and it was a cry for help. To hear it. And so we, res we responded to it. Is that what you're talking about, Mike? Um, I was just thinking about the, the different ways you were talking about that people should probably be a little bit more open to the different ways to the, them getting the tongues. I, when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I knew nothing about tongues it was very awkward and kind of strange to me and it just started out with one word and then one phrase and then one sentence and now of course it flows but um what about that concept of and i don't know maybe this falls under the, the whole abuse thing um you were talking about the whole concept of shame you know um and and part of that is because i realized that when i'm by myself i have no trouble praying in tongues and in a corporate thing, you know, I'll be more quiet because I'm aware that that's not a tongue that's supposed to be for the body to be interpreted. Um, and on the other side of what what Tammy was saying there, there was one time when, when somebody gave a word in tongues, and I know I got the interpretation of it, 
but I didn't realize it. I wasn't able to discern it from the typical way in the prophetic that I operate, and I didn't realize it was an interpretation at the time. Of course, afterwards, I realized I kind of missed it, you know, but the Lord was faithful in that, that somebody else stood up and gave the interpretation, you know, so that even though that I realized later that I'd missed it and I had had that interpretation, he was still faithful enough to give that interpretation to another individual who was kind of bold enough to step up and, you know, say something about it. But um, I think part of that shame, too, is I don't know about you, but sometimes when I hear somebody praying in tongues, um, I just, I get kind of awkward and kind of weirded out about it, especially if it's not one that's supposed to be for the body, but yet they're saying it kind of out loud. It just, I feel like I'm over, like you said, like I'm overhearing something personal that I shouldn't be, you know, um, as if I heard a personal conversation that I had accidentally walked in on. It's that kind of awkwardness, not that it's inappropriate, but that I just, I feel like I walked in an awkward conversation that I should have been part of, you know. Well, that's where that there are different things that you're praying in the spirit. Some of you in this room, like Colleen, I'm picking on you now. There's times that Colleen will do Romans 8:26 that that's not in relationship to her. She'll start to groan in the spirit. 8:26, you know where it talks about spirit helps our weaknesses with groaning. It goes on with groaning is too deep for words. Where she'll go into intercession and. Tammy, Tammy's one of those that will do it. And some of you intercessors in here, y'all know that feeling. And we were talking about this in the elders meeting about this, this, this thing about, you know, the spirit just groaning with too deep for words. And the phrase we, we used was, get your groan on. <laughs> you know, just to really, you know, all right, we're weak. Let's pray in the spirit. You know, but sometimes it's not in relationship to what's inside you. It's in relationship to the heart of God. Interceding for a situation, circumstance that Colleen doesn't even know about. May not even know the person. I know testimonies where persons, people praying for people that they did not even know. On the other side of the world. And then that some weird chain of events occurred that they found out later time what had happened on that very same night that they ended up praying for that person, how it was happening. So, anyway. So, a lot of times during worship, I'll be praying in tongues. I know some of it is just me talking with God because it's, during worship, it's clear airways for me. Um, some of it's intercession. How do you know when it's for the body as opposed to I'm just praying in tongues for praying in tongues when you, when you know it's like, well, it's more than just me talking with God. Tammy, you want to answer that? Well, I think the more that you pray in the spirit and the more that you're familiar with like yourself in the spirit, you can really start to discern what's you and what is, you know, corporate. And most of the time, like, you can just, like, I can hear it, literally. Like, I can hear, like, the tongue or interpretation. Like, it's, like, hanging. And I can, if it's the interpretation, like, a lot of times I can hear certain words or, um, or if it's the uh, tongue, like, I can just, I can hear it. Or sometimes I know, like, the Holy Spirit is, on me 
and he's saying like, this is going to be tongues. And you're like, oh, you know, so, I mean, I think that that's really the difference. But I think the more that you pray in the spirit, and then also I can tell like if it's just intercession a lot of times too like it's not something that I can hear like corporately but it's something like I feel more of a burden that I know that it's just not myself being edified but it's it can be a corporate burden so a lot of times like a lot of times my groaning I guess on Sunday morning is is intercession for the body or what's going on in the service Um, and sometimes like Rick said I don't even know what it is but it's something that's beyond words. Like I can't, I can't speak it out. I can't say, Lord, open the heavens. Like even if I do, like it doesn't seem to have the power that like a, gro- like a deep groan. And finally, when I let the groan out and get my groan on, like you can feel like that release, like kind of like praying it out. It's kind of like a prayer, so. Scriptural verse to that answer, that question is Acts chapter two. Verse 4, they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So literally one of the things you'll know is, is like Tammy said, she can tell the Spirit is giving her utterance. Because see, if I'm praying in tongues, it's this way. But if it's a tongues with an interpretation, it's coming this way. So the Lord is revealing into my spirit. God's spirit's bearing witness with my spirit, and out it comes here. So we got Robbie and then. Yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna share um, when when I initially prayed, um, I was in a class and I prayed. Um, I was told to pray and ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and uh, you know, I mean, I didn't nothing really Nothing really happened, you know. I mean, I was just asking. And I was sincere. I was asking for it, and nothing really took place. And then it was like a week or so after that, at about 2 o'clock in the morning, I was in the dorm. I was still in the program at Dunklin'. And I'm in the dorm, and 2 o'clock in the morning, room 4 in the wine dorm. I'll never forget it. I just wake up speaking in tongues like I mean, just on fire inside me going, I got to tell somebody about this. But I couldn't tell anybody because everybody was asleep, you know. And I mean, I was just on fire, man. I mean, just the Lord just ministered to me and loved me. It was powerful. It was just an awesome, amazing time. Anyway, I just felt like sharing Um, I just wanted to echo what Mitch was saying about how you know, refusing a good gift. You know, every what God gives us is good. You know, and I grew up a church brat in charismatic Pentecostal churches. I have seen a whole lot of weird. But, and let me tell you, I've laughed my tail off about some of it too because it was just really weird. But it was, God showed me, has shown me how to discern what's real from what's not. You know, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in us. And I guess I just wanted to reiterate, you know, God is in giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to speak in tongues. We get to speak in tongues. 
we get to. We don't have to, we get to. These are things that God is allowing us to, to partake in that are for our good, that are for our upbuilding. I was, I was very fortunate to have been baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 12 at Vacation Bible School. <laughs> Mike Littlejohn had a ministry and he did puppets and he was Farmer John and he gave us little pamphlets at, about how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he said, if you, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're, we're all going to go in here and we're going to pray. And you're going to speak in tongues and it's going to be awesome. And I did, you know, and I just want to encourage people, you know, don't, don't push away the tongues because you don't understand it. As 12, at 12 years old, I could not have possibly understood what all God was getting into me, but it provided such a solidness in me at a young age at the time I did not know how it would carry me I did not know that when there were times when my heart would be so broken in my life and everything would just be not just flipping but falling apart at the same time the depths of my soul could cry out and pray in the spirit with the Lord and I could get healing that way I could be healed I could express what was going on and so, you know, like you said, brother, it don't have to be weird. You know, it just has to be real. And God doesn't give us fake gifts. He gives good, real gifts that are for our good. And just don't worry about the understanding. Just worry about the receiving. I have come to understand in my Christian walk, it's a whole lot more about am I able to receive versus is God able to give. I'll close out with this and there's two testimonies that I just want to share about the validity of what we're talking about, the importance of that in relationship to this latter part about the Holy Spirit interceding for us. Um, one time, Paul and I, one of good friends, father had died when he was like 40. I mean, he was very young and died unexpectedly. I mean, just had a heart attack just out of the blue and he died. And uh, she was at the funeral and she's sitting at the you know, at the graveside, and the grief was just so much going on in her. And all of a sudden, she heard the Lord just say to her, said, Linda, just pray in the Spirit. And she, first she goes, God, how? And he said, pray to yourself in the Spirit. And so she just started praying just under her breath to the Lord in the Spirit. And literally, she said, just for the grief that was just there, but all of a sudden, as she started praying in the spirit, just that spirit of grief just lifted off her and the peace of God was just able to fill her soul. Because why? The Romans 8, 26. When she did not know how to pray, she, the Holy Spirit was groaning and she was agreeing with the spirit of God and strength came into her. One of my all-time favorite ones is, is one that June Evans, I don't know if y'all remember, some of y'all remember June Evans came here a number of years back. And one of her favorite testimonies, her and her husband, Gene, they had, they had two, two little boys. Two boys, two, yeah, two boys. Two boys, and when, I, when I, one of them was young one time, they were at the house, and all of a sudden, he ran into a glass door, you know, one of the sliding glass doors, and it broke and shattered, and he hit it with his face. And particularly, it hit his eyes, and his eyes were just... I mean, just bleeding, or his eyes were bleeding. And, you know, and so, you know, uh, Gene, you know, picked her son, his son up and, 
and he's going to take him to the hospital. June has to stay there with the other, the other one. And, uh, and June did not know how to pray. So she said she just threw herself on the floor in their living room, and she's filled with fear, and Jean's driving her son to the hospital, and she, all she knew to do was pray in the Spirit. Fear had filled her mind. You know, she's, her mind is just filled with fear. Her son's blind and, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and she don't know how to pray, so she prays in the Spirit. And she said that what happened was Jean was driving the, the, the little boy to the hospital, and, and all of a sudden... Uh, the little boy goes, Dad, where are we going? And uh, Gene's like, you know, son, I'm taking you to the hospital. And, and the son goes, why? And, he, and the dad looked over at the son, and the son looked at him, and his face was bloody, you know, from where all that blood. But whereas before, his eyes were bloody. Before, all of a sudden, his eyes were just white. And, and Gene goes, oh, Okay. I turned around and went back home. Cleaned him up and because God instantly healed him. You know, and so those are those times like in Romans 8, 26, when we do not know how to pray. That where we can partner with the Lord and pray in the Spirit. Now, um, I'd like us to close out today just in worship with Robbie, just lead us into worship. And I, and I just really don't want to, I don't like to, Put, we teach on something, and I don't like to go and put things on the spot and all this kind of stuff. But I do feel like we should go and just worship the Lord. And, and uh, I'd ask you all to think about the two ways that we talked about an intercession and a lot of the, what we talked about today. And we're going to just finish out and see what God does with us. And uh, so is that cool with y'all? Let's just relax in the Lord and, and just uh, let him love on us and let's love on him. By the way, can I say this now? I just want to ask y'all to be praying about it tomorrow morning because we're praying to the Lord. We feel like the Lord's told us to teach that tomorrow morning. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I just want to pray that God will do a work with power and uh, with gentleness.